0: Wow, you sure are passionate about rock and roll. Well, it's only my life. Sit down. I'll tell you a little story. When I was a boy down in South Illinois, I heard a man playing blues. What a wonderful noise. He had an old guitar but not a dollar to his name Making music so sad, but he was happy just the same He gave me a wink and said, son, let me share the news If you want a happy life, you gotta learn to sing the blues I asked my daddy for a guitar, oh, I begged and I pled I said I wanted to play the blues and he just nodded his head Daddy said when he was my age, boogie woogie was the thing Just take the blues, throw out your hip and add a little swing a music has the power That without it he'd have sworn That he'd have never a met my mom And I'd have never a been born So what's this? this? This is psychedelia It's where the guitar solo came from
1: No, I mean, what's with all the colors?
0: I have no idea This could possibly be the best day ever be the best day And the ever. forecast says that tomorrow Away. Today is gonna be a great day. Welcome one and all to the
2: podcast without a cool acronym the podcast where we review disney television animation shows but this month it's all about videos and fur baby i'm your host channel darrow shea join me today on the podcast via zoom we have david Ganzel. i keep coming back yes you do jonathan edward i've returned again And joining us for the very first time here on the Podcast Without a Cool Acronym, we have some very special guests. All the way from Los Angeles, California. You know him from his flagship web series, Some Jerk with a Camera, as well as his other shows such as State of the Parks and One Movie Later, and of course his fantastic podcast, Escape from Vault Disney, which incidentally was the first podcast I was ever on. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Goldmark! Hey, hey! How y'all doing? And all the way from Venice, California... He's worked on shows such as The Simpsons and Rocko's Modern Life. He also currently produces Pete the Cat for Amazon Prime, but you probably best know him as one of the co-creators of Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's Law. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Swabby Marsh! No! Woo! Woo! (laughs) All right. right. woo here. He's also the voice of Major Monogram. (laughs) And
3: Cavendish. And Cavendish.
2: And Cavendish, Cavendish. Yes. yes.
3: Actually, much easier on my throat <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> Cavendish is much closer to your normal voice of course so all, all of us who were longtime fans were just like oh that's just Dan and Swampy razzing each other and it's great <laughs> I love
4: it l- lest we forget l- lest we forget you're also the voice of the character with the greatest name ever Gordon Guts of an Emu <laughs> <laughs> yes
3: I am Gordon Guts of an Emu based on Gordon Tokamatsu uh who went to, who's a local LA um, news reporter on uh, Channel 4 here, who went to school with Dan at at USC and who became a great friend of the show. (laughs) It's just a very groovy dude. We had to make fun of him. He was on the show (laughs) at
2: times as well. This month on the Podcast Without a Cool Acronym has been, of course, all about Phineas and Ferb. And I've had each episode be kind of a different theme. So we talked about time travel. We talked about kind of the weird stuff with Ferb TV. We talked about shipping just in general. And um, the reason why I wanted to have, obviously, Swampy and also Tony on this episode is because this episode that we're going to be talking about, Dude, We're Getting the Band Back Together, is really just a celebration of music and... It's uh, it's a, it's such a great episode because it's kind of a uh, uh, we are normally going to the plot of the episode but it's kind of just a, a rerun of like the blues brothers plus <laughs> it's, obviously it's, it's a riff on it so it's a, it's say. a riff of the we Blu- it's paying, a riff on the blues yeah.
3: brothers we were paying homage to several things
2: yes
5: <laughs> yes well of course well of course the blues brothers was just a huge rip off of the country bears as we all know
2: I was just gonna bring that up yes. earlier. Yes, Tony um just recently did a whole episode um revisiting the country bears because that was the first episode he did for the camera.
5: I did a podcast on the country bears that is 21 minutes longer than the country bears. Thank you. That's who I am. <laughs> Time yeah. well spent. Dave was on it. Dave knows.
4: I, I <laughs> yep. was there, I can vouch. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I mean, obviously this, this whole episode is just one big celebration of music. It's also, um, the other thing I really love in in this episode is, of course, it's the first one that we get that, you know, we see Phineas, Ferb, and Candace working together, um, which is something I don't think we had really gotten before in an episode. Um, we also get to see more of Linda and Lawrence, which is great, because it's always kind of fun when we actually get to focus on them for a little bit. Um, I I especially love Lawrence's efforts to try to salvage the anniversary, while Phineas and Ferberoff trying to get the band back together, and it just spectacularly fails, and it's great.
1: Now, now, was was this was this premise coming from a real life experience of forgetting an anniversary by any chance?
3: No, from either I mean, you it, or Dan. It 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 it, it really started uh, that, I mean, w- we were sitting around in the early days just literally brainstorming any show we could think of you know it's just we had whiteboards filled with show ideas but the thing that sparked us about this was exactly what you said we we wanted to make sure people knew that Phineas Ferb and Candace's relationship wasn't one-dimensional that you know there there were times that they were fully functional and and we wanted to make sure that came through. And that's one of the reasons it's my favorite episode. The music's great. The people, we got to come in and do it. There's a lot of reasons why it's a great (laughs) episode for me, but when I watch it, it's the first time we really had great moments between them and they were all working together and giving mom and dad a chance to be human was really important to us and to show them as a loving couple that, you know, has their problems like everybody else. But while we were making it, it did lead to a million and one. Uh what happened the last time you forgot your anniversary stories? <laughs> <laughs> of course. We, of we course. Just, my wife and I just had our 21st anniversary. We we realized that we we completely forgot our 20th. <laughs> oh my but we're both the same like we're the we're the two but you both forgot know, it so
5: it's okay and we're both yeah.
3: the ones who couldn't really care whether or not <laughs> it's like did we forget That's yeah all right we'll, we'll do a big one next year It'd be fine
4: yeah as we long as you're on the same friends, page just them, and, like.
5: imagine if only one of you had forgotten it that would have been
4: <laughs> yeah that that been been not,
5: that's why that's when you're we in trouble we have a
3: weird one anyway so because we celebrate our anniversary not when we got married we got married because we were traveling and my wife's Dutch, and her father got sick and she had to travel so we just ran off and got married so we could work the lisa's stuff out quickly So in case something happened to her dad, she could travel. He ended up being fine. He died many years later. Long story. But (laughs) it came in December, which my birthday is December. My daughter's is December. My mom's is December. And then Christmas. And so we just said, we're going to make an agreement. We will not celebrate our anniversary in December and compete with all (laughs) the other crap that's going on. We're going to celebrate it the day we got engaged, Valentine's Day. Yes. yeah that's so nice so it's not that we completely forgot that we had an anniversary last year but we forgot that it was our 20th which is kind of a biggie and we're like we don't even
2: know yeah <laughs> just counting <laughs> what are you gonna do but yeah. that's
3: that's why that episode was always so special to us and i don't you, well, you guys are aware that the voice of dad is richard o'brien the guy who of course was, oh, oh yeah, started yeah. Rocky yes. World yes. show who's just an incredibly wacko, talented lunatic who lives in the wilds now of New Zealand. <laughs> and he's one of my favorite people, but he had a moment um, when we were recording The Voice and he's had a few of these. The one that that's still my favorite is uh, he ad-libbed a thing in the in the monster truck episode <laughs> where uh, he calls mom to tell her that the boys are playing with the monster truck. And he says, hello, dear. Oh, I love you too, darling. Anyway, cause, and he just <laughs> threw that in and both Dan and I immediately went, oh my God, all of a sudden that whole relationship is real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is. Very small, very sweet moment. And I love that Richard spent the entire run of the show. Apparently, this is according to his daughter, absolutely sure that we were going to fire him at any moment because he was completely wrong for the role. Oh, man. <laughs> Every what? time he oh. came in to record, he was sure that this was the moment when we would realize he was completely, and nobody could have been better for that role ever. <laughs> we both it really the movie Yeah, just because we couldn't have the movie without having that moment of him and dad. So that's a very long-winded <laughs> explanation of why I love we're getting the band back together. Plus, we got to have Jarrett Reddick and uh um and now I'm gonna forget his name, who did uh, Swampy. Um Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Yeah. Who was well, well it so begs the good. question,
5: why didn't you do Swampy? You are Swampy.
3: <laughs> Disney came in with their lawyers and said, Well, oh. we can't have you uh doing the voice of a character that is designed after you and named after you, because then there's a question about who owns the and you're like, oh. oh them zany lawyers i tell you Uh, You guys have no idea how many decisions were modified (laughs) or just thrown out because a lawyer went oh you can't do that you're like why "Oh, you just can't and and dan and i used to get in trouble because we were the ones whenever anybody told us you can't do that we'd go why well it's policy well why is the policy Well, because it's just policy. It's like, well, who made the policy? Let's find the person. And we would do that until either they would just tell us to F
4: off or somebody would just go, okay, fine, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) So so when you've played other characters who are modeled after you, you only got away with it because they weren't explicitly named after you. You just
3: didn't name them
4: that anymore.
3: This is the weirdest legal jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. And the stuff that we never thought of that would come back, you'd get the notes, the legal notes. And there'd be stuff in there that you're like, really? This is an issue? (laughs) The weirder weirder one we got for a, one of the weirdest one we got for a background, we had a place, and I'm literally talking about it zipping by in a repeating pan as characters are running. And somebody's going through, like looking at all these backgrounds. We had a store in there called Pizza Place. And they said, You can't name it Pizza Place because there's a place in Kalamazoo, Michigan called Pizza Place. <laughs> like, if you named your pizza place Pizza Place, you can have no reasonable expectation <laughs> of any kind of exclusivity on that name. If I open a place called Coffee Shop and then attempt to sue, anybody who has a place in their show with a coffee shop i'm a moron we got so vivid about that there well was maybe so the much come up that you'd have to look at it and go why on god's green earth would it... and there'd be some insane uh, isabella was originally Isabel, uh, isabella garcia goldberg cuz she was named after one of the uh the people in our casting department who was the person who like fished Phineas and Ferb out of the trash can to say, hey, this was a show you guys liked because they'd said no to it the first time it was pitched. So not what we're looking for. We don't wanna do boys shows. And then nine months later they did and Goldberg, Sarah Goldberg pulled it out of the bin and went, here, what about this? You loved this. So we owed, her a lot so we wanted to name a character after her apparently there's one person in the united states named isabella garcia goldberg and because there's one person if there'd have been 30 of them they'd have gone fine but one they're like you can't do it (laughs) because that person could sue man so that's the unseen really fun part of making cartoons
1: yeah
3: (laughs) legal
1: mumbo jumbo was there, I mean, that, uh, like, was there any of that? Was there any of that going into uh, Milo Murphy's Law with bringing in all the Phineas and Ferb characters? And oh god, yeah, the lawyers just so much of it. The
3: the other one that was like that was um, believe it or not, Star Wars was pretty easy, but Marvel was a nightmare. Oh uh, yeah. Over the years, <laughs> Marvel has sold rights and usage to all these characters piecemeal. Nobody had an right. overall Marvel deal. So, literally, it like we could use Spider Man as long as we did not go one frame over 20, what was it, 22 minutes. We literally, if there was a frame over, we no longer had the rights to use Spider Man.
6: What? So, the first
3: part of that discussion was literally assembling through legal which characters and villains we had the rights to use. And then we got into whole discussions because. We, we had the characters switch powers and we had somebody pick up Thor's hammer and somebody informed us, it's like, oh, it doesn't work that way. He can't pick up his hammer. It's like, yeah, but he's got his power. It's like, no, he's not worthy. It's about worthiness. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but he's become. It's like, yeah, I don't care. Can't do it.
0: So give me the hammer. What do I do? I just stick out my hand, right? Come on, baby. Come to papa. That is not how it works. What do you mean? I've got your powers. Wielding Mjolnir is about worthiness, not power. Really? It's a fine distinction, but an important one. Potato potato I do not know what that means. Okay, never mind. What about the lightning? How do I control that? Actually, that only works with the hammer. What about flying? I've seen you fly. Well, yes, but not without not the hammer. Not without yes. the hammer, right? <laughs> then we
1: just go. <laughs> <must laughs> you know, it was it was all worth it for the Modoc looking at the giant floating baby head and, and being <laughs> confused. Oh so that my
3: gosh, worth it. But I I was the one who also originally said no to that because it's like you guys are never going to give us the time that we need to navigate the legality of it and to make sure that we have a story that's not just a good Phineas and Ferb story, but a good Marvel story. And believe me, we're the biggest fans in the world. And if we ever got rushed into doing anything that violated those characters, there'd be an uproar. So it's gonna take twice as long and you'll never give us that long. So there was this big negotiation to get the time that we knew it was gonna take to do it. And everybody was like, You guys are being so. Ugh. And then it took just that long, because of all the legal things. So I got the wonderful joy of sitting in a lot of meetings, going, "Hmm, who said it was going to go like this before? Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> it was me, wasn't
4: it? How many legal memos? I'm not bitter though. <laughs> how how many legal memos had to go back and forth just to clear mentioning Howard the Duck? <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. <laughs>
3: It was just, that was literally half that show was just trying (laughs) to mangle all this stuff, but it was worth it in the end and they did give us the time.
5: But you got your revenge on them because when Marvel asked if Phineas and Ferb could come out of one of the portals in Endgame, you were like, F off.
3: (laughs) Have you seen the thing that somebody did where they took our robot riot song and put it over the end of the Marvel movie? Yes.
4: (laughs) It's perfect. That was was so good. (laughs)
3: I love that a few months uh, after we did the uh, the second dimension with all of our robots, it really was just an identical thing <laughs> what we'd done. It was so great. Do so you good.
1: remember uh, your reaction when uh, they aired Mission Marvel for the first time and the songs didn't have the lyrics? It was just the instrumentals? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's like how, oh, how does man. stuff like that happen you, you they have the episode for how long and they don't have the right version and
3: <laughs> well and and then this is another one of these things that makes you kind of crazy we went through so much qc quality control stuff to view check approve sign off on these episodes and then you find out later when that happens they're going oh yeah but then it goes over and someone else makes a copy and it's like then then why are we sitting there approving all this stuff? Because this is so important. It's the if you're just going to go make other copies and somebody else can flip switches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. So uh, yeah, that was that was not a good day. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh well.
2: It all turned out in
3: the end. Gave us something to talk about.
2: It's yeah. all worth it, but also it's like, oh man, there's so much that goes into this that it's like there's the behind the scenes stuff you see in the fun music videos, but then there's oh,
6: all the, the
3: but then there's all the stuff you don't see. The <laughs> mountain of of dross that you have to <laughs> crawl through to get any one of these shows out. But you know, it's good. Yeah. It's probably in fairness, I mean, to take responsibility for a lot of it, I think most of the the Folks that are doing the shows uh, just sort of accept it and change things and move on. And Dan and I are old and crotchety, <laughs> <laughs> so you know we, there was things that we just felt were worth fighting for. So if if it was if it was unimportant, we'd let it go. But most of the time, it's like, look, this is a really great thing, and this is a petty reason not to do it. So we'd e- we would either fight it. Or in the end, we would turn around and make an obvious joke about it. And there's yeah. a lot of that stuff that the reason that joke's in there is because of a legal or standards and practice thing that we couldn't do. So we would just stick it in their face. And you could tell after a while, some of these people just got worn down by us. <laughs> We're like, oh God, this is just just do it
2: there's a story alex hersha told about how um i believe it was in uh the summer ween episode they wanted to have on the invite to the party that um that wendy was giving out you know uh bottles will be spun s p's like you can't do that and yeah. the, the, alex is like what well, why not what what happens when they spin the bottle uh, they kiss <laughs> fine we'll just put not approved by s p and that was approved by s <laughs> p
3: yeah Dan and I worked together on Rocco's Modern Life. There was there was some doozies in Rocco's Modern Life.
2: Oh, I love oh, Rocco.
5: It was oh my god. Was, we did that was like my favorite there. show when I was a kid. I'm sorry, I'm geeking out, but yeah,
3: that's <laughs> we we were the ones who had Rocco and Heffer and Filbert playing a game of uh, it was on the bowling episode, and Ed Bighead comes over and says, "Would you boys like to play a little game?" Rocco says, "Oh, we're already playing a game. of Spank the monkey." And he holds up a paddle. And off screen, we heard it. And we showed them all holding a paddle with a monkey right? with his butt in the air spinning. So it's like we thought we're taking the curse of it because we're showing it. And they said, well, you you can't say it. So we said, OK, how about if he doesn't say it? And he just says, we're already playing a game. And they were like, that's OK. So now he says, we're already playing a game. And we turn around, and they're all sitting there with paddles and the monkeys. And when we watched it, we thought, this is much worse. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh so much worse. Well,
5: <laughs> I, my favorite example from Rocco of censorship making something worse was the changeover, I think between seasons three and four of chokey chicken to chewy chicken. Like I, when I was a kid, you know, watching this at, at 11 years old, like I didn't know what choke the chicken meant. I had no frame of reference for that, but when they changed it to chewy chicken, I was like, now you get it. What was wrong with choky chicken? That actually made me think about it. We (laughs) we
3: had been doing like two seasons of that show while John Chris Felusi was making Ren and Stimpy and he was like literally lighting the building on fire. Yeah. (laughs) And so for two seasons, nobody cared about what we were doing. Every so often, they'd come over and go, you guys on fire? No? Okay, carry on. And it, it was third season, and we were the board that went in front of the guys, that the guy went, oh, you've named the restaurant in here choky Chicken. You, you can't do that. And I'm like, I don't want to be the one to tell you, but we're on season three. <laughs> and it's been the restaurant for two seasons and this guy his eyes just got huge and he went what <laughs> yeah you guys haven't been paying attention for a while <laughs> you've got some stuff to fix wasn't there a clip we attached a milking machine to a steer yeah you were not paying attention to what we were doing
5: well, i wasn't there a clip and I, and I'm, I promise we'll get back on topic but wasn't there a clip <laughs> from one episode uh the road trip episode where they check of into course. Yeah, yeah yeah that clip is on YouTube from the first airing and it was yeah but but and yeah talk that about that that
3: story the no tell motel with wawa beds yes <laughs> was a story that I told about a trip that literally that I took to Arizona I was going to go out and and photograph the old airplanes at the Mont- Davis Montan Air Museum And we got there, had no idea there was a gemologist convention, forgot about the time change, tried to get a hotel. There was no hotels. So I sat at a Denny's for almost two hours dialing every hotel in the book until I found the No Tell Motel with Wawa beds. And they had a room available. I mean, that exact conversation was a conversation I had with a guy and I told the story in the writer's room. And uh, and they said, uh, the creator said, well, you should put that in. I'm like, dude, I don't think so. He went, no, no, put it in. It's like, okay, I'll put it in. So what we thought was, we'll put that in. They'll obviously cut that and we'll probably get away with some other stuff. And it was the only time we pitched that bit, did the whole thing at the end. They went, okay, that's great. Go ahead. And I even went, what? The risk of, can I just direct your attention to this bit here. That's the, let me repeat it for you just in there. Like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's like, okay, I did my bit. And I think Dan and I have the record for the most post airing censorship of bits, uh, anybody. Um, And that's kind of one of the reasons of doing that show. We both went off and had kids. And when we went to make Phineas and started looking around, we thought, you know what? It's just so easy. Let's see if we can do something that doesn't rely on all of that stuff. And if we can still make it good and fun and edgy without, because that stuff's easy. Humor yeah. based on jokes yeah. and idiots, you can do that all day long.
1: And it's a market that's already been cornered for a long time with everybody so else is doing this.
3: Let's do something else. And fortunately Dan and I had done enough Rocco that we got it out of our system. Whew. Very cool. Yeah.
6: All but, right.
2: But so it, getting back just, on yes. topic. You're <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I I, I kind of figured we'd go off on tangents like this, and that's just fine. Um, I want to. It's talk called doing a, a podcast. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I want I want to talk for a bit about how just. Um. So this is one of the the I think one of the earlier episodes where we really get more of a look at um Doof and Perry not fighting each other but actually working together until. Doof turns it around and is like, oh, but I'm gonna scrap into this rocket now that you've helped me.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, it's, it's what they do. I, I love Doof and Perry's relationship. It's 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 great. It's,
3: it's one of the most fun things to write. It's it's why <laughs> every time we have um we had Doof and Perry scenes pitched to us, there was always like two pages of Doof dialogue because it's so much fun to write. The hard part was getting in the booth and editing it down, which um, we would always, the vast majority of the time, we would do that on the fly. You'd still get in the booth and it would be overwritten. And yeah. so it'd be Dan editing in the booth and me editing outside, you know, voice directing until we got down to something that was workable. Um, and often you just found, you left it all in there because you thought some of it isn't going to work once you hear it. Um, so we can cut it then and other things are going to be a lot better than we thought when when you hear doofenshmirtz say them right so, well, a lot of that was done but that's such a great relationship to play with
2: so much absolutely fun. uh the other thing in this episode that i really love um that kind of the first time we uh meet vanessa i'm trying to remember what episode that was i I, I forget what exact episode that was, but it was um
3: Mike I don't remember the first time, but that was Mike Diedrich's episode.
1: Yeah, um, it was the rounding up the the cows. Oh yeah, the, that's right. Yeah, Magnificat. Oh,
6: Magnificat. yeah,
2: um, but we get more and more of these Duven Schwartz backstories, and we see how he just had this awful childhood, you know, that, that's referenced later. Neither of his parents showed up for his birth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I love how, you know, Doofus, like, you know, I'm a villain because of all this, but I'm not taking it out on my daughter. I'm trying to be the best possible dad for my daughter. And to, the, to that point, you know, he, he spent his birthday alone every year, and so he goes out of his way to throw this whole party for Vanessa, even if it's obviously not what she wants. He's still just, he, he does it because he cares about her and he loves her. And I think that's great.
3: He's desperately trying. He is desperately trying. To a better to be... childhood than he had. Yes. And I think that's so endearing.
2: I that. love that. I love yeah. that so much.
3: He's not going to let, you know, evil in the way of being a good parent
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and I mean at this point in the series you already had his backstory about his birthday right Um, the the blimp episode so you know you didn't have to cover how bad his birthdays were because it <laughs> was already there and those were, I, those were fun
5: and uh, you know, watching this it was the first time in a while I'd seen a season one episode of uh, Phineas and Ferb and I'd forgotten just how much Doofenshmirtz's voice had changed over the years like like if you if you compare him in this to him in say season two of Milo Murphy, you know it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, as as, of... as all voices evolve yeah, over time. I mean, obviously. you know,
3: Phineas got older, but we didn't write right. The actor, uh, I think, Doofenshmirtz, A lot of it changed just with the the volume of words <laughs> that Dan had to speak. It it had to become easier to do. Um, and and become more natural sounding and stumbly. And once that happens, the accent changes a little bit. The pitch goes down. It just becomes more conversational. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, is doing the the voices that we did. Monogram, I could only ever do for like literally 40 minutes in the booth and I'm done. My voice is shot. Doing all the video games that we did took <laughs> days. Um, oh, Lord. Wow. Dan can actually do Doofenshmirtz's voice all day long. It wasn't a question of hurting his throat. It was just trying to get the words out at the speed, um, right. keeping them understandable. Then, when it's... we switched over to do Milo, Dan's doing Dakota down here. Yeah. And I got to do, you know, Balthazar Cavendish up here. So I can do Balthazar Cavendish all day long. Wonderful. <laughs> Dan can only do Dakota for about Forty minutes, like,
5: <laughs> fuck, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, Doof's voice seemed to get more soprano as as time went on. Like it, 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 it got would, more into the upper it registers. He yeah. would
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. get more confused, and so he'd have these yeah. moments where it would kind of go, which I I I love what Dan does with that. It it's the stumbles and the searching and the thinking uh, that he does, so good.
1: I love uh, I love all the expressions that you bring to Cavendish, particularly like in season. There's just some, some stuff like Great Nelson's Turnbuckle or Beans on Toast or just, <laughs> just just very, very Cavendish expressions.
3: Yeah, that was a, a combination of either stuff that I did because I'm such an Anglophile and lived there for so long. And uh, Josh, uh, one of our writers, <laughs> Josh Pruitt, who's a huge Doctor Who fan uh he turned his cubicle into a tardis um he's such a (laughs) massive fan and he was the one that that did a lot of that stuff so yeah Yeah. that was just wonderfully fun silliness to do
1: (laughs) and you got you got your own candace episode too where he's trying to show everybody the spaceship but they can't see it yeah (laughs) which is really that was that was really fun one so, so all you need to do
4: is a Doof and Cavendish episode so that you're both speaking in Comfortable Registers the entire
1: time, yeah,
3: right? <laughs> that would that would actually be the best.
1: Do you like an avant-garde style Doof and Cavendish in the wild. Was it, wasn't there, a,
5: I feel like there was a Milo Murphy episode where like the two of them got paired together for some reason. We or had maybe moments with them. Yeah.
3: Um, but I mean, one of the reasons that we did uh, Cavendish and Dakota, and we, at all was uh, we just wanted to have some characters that we could go into the booth and play around with and (laughs) ad lib and just do comedy together because it's it's something we enjoy
2: of course doing a lot it's all of the bits where it's doof and monogram going back and forth um in like summer belongs to you and the first clip test the countdown and stuff like that are just so funny. And so it's so much fun to hear you guys just razz each other like that. It's great. And we
3: wanted to have the opportunity to do it. And the fun part was how much of that ended up being ad libbed. And we would record them together in the booth together. And it also from Dan and I, from our perspective, it meant that the uh, the guys couldn't go back in later and edit the conversations. <laughs> just enough overlap and they'd say you, you guys should record those separate so we can it's like no, yeah, it's a
1: conversation um, what
3: what the conversation was is the one we liked and that we approve and now you're stuck using it
1: <laughs> my favorite is the dynamic in the where's perry episode the two-part special or do from monogram have to go stop evil carl and they're on the jet <laughs>
3: yeah. was it but was that the one where he says you'll laugh at this later i assure you that every time i think of this i'll, I'll personally, personally drive to your, your
2: house and smack you <laughs> <laughs> <So
5: good. laughs> my my favorite dakota and cavendish back and forth thing and i i actually did a, a podcast episode about this episode uh in missing milo the whole who's on first bit with the peach. Oh. <laughs> that was genius. That oh, was shot.
3: peach me, that was you. Yeah, that was so good. That was uh, Rob Hughes wrote that whole bit. God, that was oh, so cool.
2: Rob oh, Hughes.
3: Who threw so, that peach? Uh, that was
5: <laughs> just the way it goes around in and And it's not explained, you don't have, it's a cartoon. You don't have to explain it. It's perfect. Right. <laughs>
3: A wonderful circuit circular little piece of dialogue and I you know what I like when when you bring stuff like that up is I always marvel at how many of the things that connect with people that seem to be people's favorites <laughs> were not things that Dan and I wrote oh not things that Dan and I originally had intended for the show but things that the writers and the board artists and sometimes even the production staff suggested. And I love that everybody not only just felt like they could contribute, genuinely contributed so much to the show that it it kind of makes you feel a little bit like a fraud for taking credit for the creative. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great thing. It means everybody felt comfortable and, you know, uh, empowered to bring all their material to this and everybody that created it is woven into the fabric of that show. And it never will be anything that Dan and I can stand up honestly and say, yep, we did all that.
2: It was all us, no, it's a, it's a collaborative
3: effort. It always is. We built the yeah. playground. <laughs> and then we just made sure that people had enough sand and duels and jungle gym equipment and just encouraged them to do it. And, and it worked like nuts.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite Cavendish and Dakota moments is in the Halloween episode when Cavendish, he's like he's like falling asleep, he's got a dream. He's like, oh, Hildegard, I know I'm a lowly third-class time traveler, but will you learn Dakota's just throwing paper balls? And he's like, wake up, I've heard this dream before. She says no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a good time with that. And getting to play around with Mark Hamill was a blast, too. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. He's one of the nicest humans you'll ever meet.
5: That's what I keep hearing from, from completely everyone
3: Completely at peace with his place in the universe. Uh, it's the greatest. Yeah, he, he absolutely, absolutely uh, delivers. Uh, there's so many of these people that are amazing icons and heroes. And I've been lucky enough from the time when I was very, very young to meet some massive, famous people. It's amazing how often they disappoint and Mark Hamill is one of those people you meet and you think, oh, you're just awesome. It's like Weird (laughs) Al. Yeah. Weird Al is absolutely as nice and talented and professional and dedicated and silly and pleasant as you could possibly imagine to the point where I said to him one time, I'm sure you go home and like sacrifice small animals. (laughs) <laughs> there must be something because you can't genuinely be a you know, of a person without there being some something if,
5: if if that if that stuff's there man he's done an amazing job of keeping it hidden because you know i'm i'm like one of the biggest weird al fans on the planet i've just studied everything the man does he is he is um he is flawless i don't know i don't know how he does it it's
3: crazy And it's, it's, his whole family yeah yeah they're lovely humans
5: they really are i yeah I've, yeah i've met them all several times it's uh they're great people
2: yeah tony was an extra in uh the perform this way video i was
5: indeed yeah
3: uh nice
5: the, yeah i was one of the photographers taking uh taking pictures of uh of very cool uh, the, the lady gaga al uh, oh. abomination but <laughs> yeah and um and at the time i had just started my web series some jerk with a camera so i'm in weird al's video literally playing some jerk with a camera I'm,
2: uh,
5: paparazzi there so uh but yeah that was um
2: yeah <laughs> so yeah weird al's awesome <laughs> exactly
3: we can all agree I mean, did, we can all did, agree did on that have,
5: I'm I'm curious. Did he? I know he didn't write the songs for Milo Murphy, but did he have any? um, Did he have any input at all as to like the sort of the musical direction that the show went? Because because because
3: musically, what what you find is we would we would often call, um, you know, because he was going to be performing these, and so you'd kind of want his input. So from you know being in the booth to in the process of writing the song. Um, he had a hand in, in figuring out how we did it. Um, but he also, he's really respectful of, of what you're doing. Um, and so there's no, you know, he never for a moment came in and said, I'm going to tell you how the music's going to go. Right. Like, look, I understand that what you're doing is is trying to mesh story and music together. And if I'm getting in the way of that, by trying to insert myself, it's going to make what you do more difficult. I mean, it was really, and we're thinking, dude, come over. We'd love <laughs> to have you in the room. You're brilliant, um, lawyers. But it was always, uh, you know, us just like doing something of saying, hey, here's kind of what we want to do. What do you think of this? How would you, you know? And and he was always gave the input and then would step back. But he would come to the record, freakishly prepared. <laughs> and he's also one of those people, as, as Dan and I are folks who grew up playing you know, in rock and roll bands. Um, so when he would turn and say, I think what you have here um, are two 16th notes. We're, we're probably doing an eighth. And we're like, dude, <laughs> sure. <laughs>
5: How many Grammys have we won? Come on. You know? <laughs>
3: Yeah. We draw pictures for a living. Yeah. <laughs> it can be any note you want.
2: <laughs> so, speaking of rock
3: bands, you know. Uh, yeah, get,
5: get steering the train back on the track. Steering the train back on track. <laughs> um, what were we talking about?
2: Uh, so, it, so... I think Gravity
5: Falls, I think that was. It. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Weird, I was on an episode of that. uh it
5: was, yeah. Probabilitor. <laughs>
3: long ago in a faraway land there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged ceo in an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers the studio decided to go in a different direction and thus their most unique creation was born and they called it the emperor's
4: new groove but the emperor's
3: new groove is more than just one movie there's an entire expanded grooveverse out there and i intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this
2: whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.
3: Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove!
2: So, what was the process of actually going and creating a, a fictional rock band from the late '80s, early '90s
3: ish? They were a '90s band, um, and that's always caused a bunch of confusion in the world about you know all the folks looking <laughs> for canon. When did they get together, and how old were? It's like they were in the '90s. It's hair band. Uh, <laughs> the fun part was going out and you know finding and starting to work with you know. Jarrett and Steve and guys who were going to come in and (laughs) Carlos Sala's Rocky and have to bring these guys to life, not just as a character, but in song. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got lucky. Uh, Jarrett turned out to be an amazing, fun voice actor to work with, and then went on to be the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, We could always say we discovered him first. (laughs) <laughs> Carlos, we'd worked with obviously since Rocco, and and absolutely knew he could do amazing things. Although the only musical episode of Rocco that Dan and I wrote was Zanzibar, where Rocco doesn't actually sing, um, which is a whole long story there too. Uh, and uh, and then we just, you know, got to let them play, and we we got to write every kind of song we wanted.
1: I have to. I have to ask about Love Handles' most recent appearance in Milo Murphy's Law. What was the coordination for that singing goulash? Did they did they help come in and co-write goulash, or was that, a... I think
3: that one? We just called Jarrett and said, "Dude, we got one for you."
1: On. <laughs> he was just like, "All right."
3: Yeah, it's it, every time we get to work with him, it's fun. I've done a couple of his podcasts, and and again, he's just a a, a blindingly fun dude. If you have never seen them live do it
2: see a party it they
3: live. are the quintessential fun party bar band <laughs> and you laugh you sing along it's silly and wonderful and they are all incredibly gifted musicians so it's always a joy guys are great um but you know we we got to do things in there, like talk about the you know the history of rock and roll. and I love the whole history of
4: rock song. That one's just great. Yeah. It's and it was it's
3: educational.
4: Yes <laughs> was was there a conscious effort going into this episode, like with what musical styles you specifically wanted to get to this time, or were you just like letting it flow, seeing what came out?
3: No, I mean, it, 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 we were fortunate in this, that the story really directed what we were going to do. And that is when it, it tends to work best, when the style of song really meshes with the the comedy. It was like, I think my my favorite story about doing music was uh, the the song Perfect Day that plays behind canvas being chased through the streets by, a, you know, angry animals. And when we <laughs> pitched it to the network executives, that was song that was playing and somebody turned and said that's that's not the song that you're going to use in the final right we're like yeah (laughs) really it's like well what song would you want us to play i'm being chased through the streets by angry wild animals (laughs) this is much funnier and that's the the whole point of that the whole point is the contrast of the song and what's going on and those are the things that just sort of happen when you're putting it together the stuff that makes you laugh that's spontaneous that you can't really plan for but but works incredibly well with what you're trying to do with the character in the story and with something like we're getting the band back together i mean the perfect example is uh is swampy in the library
5: that was a great song the- when Love
3: that one. About somebody who doesn't have rhythm and can't talk as they're in a library there's no place else for you to go, but there. <laughs> so what we we're doing is completely dictated by the scene. And I think that's what makes it work so phenomenally well.
1: i will sleep in a metronome factory. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, yeah, I
2: think what? you once said it was the best library musical number since Mary and the Librarian. Yes,
4: yes. I, I, I refer
3: to that it as the inspiration. Yeah. Dan and I were both fans of *Of, uh, of the Music Man. He did it on, in, on stage in dinner theater. And in grade school, I was uh, I was Winthrop, in a oh nice that so nice.
4: that was absolutely you know Mary and Madam Librarian. That, that's that's the new trivia question. What role did uh, Swampy Mars share with Ron Howard?
3: Sister, <laughs> 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 sister, isn't it the most scrumptious <laughs> gold thing you've ever seen? <laughs> I was younger. <laughs>
5: Yeah, in the um the history of rock song, um, were there any notes on the psychedelia breakdown? Because kind of, because I, I I do notice you kind of tiptoed around the druggy implications of why. What's all the colors?
3: colors? I have yeah. no idea. Lies. <laughs> yeah, there was some stuff that you just sort of <laughs> look over here, kids. Yeah, it is Which,
6: kind of
5: the perfect way to answer an uncomfortable question from a child, like, what's that? I don't know,
3: you know, because yeah.
5: <laughs> if it you tell hard. them you can't
3: tell them, then, then <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll just be even more curious. That's exactly but if... it. Um, I had a conversation with my son a while back where I said to him, um, the only thing I can actually, the best thing I can give you is honesty. It, it means you may not always like what I say or tell you, but you'll never look back and say, I wasn't honest with you. Right. But the the moment I lie to you about anything, that will probably be the only thing you remember because mm. I have a very, one of the reasons Phineas and Ferber stepbrothers is because my mom is currently on marriage number seven, mm. seven. And I really believed in showing a functional blended family, a step family, because they just weren't out there. Um, But it means there's big chunks of my past that are chaotic and crazy and wacky. So when he would ask me stuff, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you the honest answer. And some of that means we're going to have to have much longer conversations because much of my life was really messy and chaotic. But I remember every one of my dad's real or step that lied to me and it kind of becomes everything yeah, yeah. so I, i'd rather I... not say anything than make something fake
5: i mean it's um it's a testament to how well you succeeded in making a show about a successful blended family that for the longest time i didn't even know they were a blended family like, like it's so <laughs> rare you see a blend cause because the only two blended family shows that really stick out in my mind are like the Brady Bunch and Step by Step. And in both cases, yeah. like they like they they spell that out at the beginning. Like like it's like the whole theme song of the Brady Bunch is look at this wacky blended family, kids. It's, here's the story of the story of, it's of like, a man named Brady. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they, they they have to go through a whole theme song just to explain what's really pretty simple but (laughs) wait what's step by step I Don't know, but that's an in joke reference to my show anyway. Yes, um,
3: it's one of the reasons why Dan and it's I step
5: have... by step, and it's about step siblings. <laughs> oh my god,
2: Always
5: just this moment,
3: got that.
2: Get it? It's a roller coaster because raising kids is like a roller coaster. Yeah, I,
5: I, I did a video about the step by step Goes to Disney World episode years yeah. ago, and we're we're just reciting <laughs> jokes from that episode at this point. You were going way over yeah.
3: It's why we we absolutely refuse to ever discuss, you know, any other family lineage of how they got there. Because for us, it's important to the story that we're trying to tell. And to make it about that would undo what we've done about the families. And it's, you know, we're not trying to be cagey or clever or secretive. We're really trying to preserve the sanctity of that blended family that was so important to us. And and thankfully, God, we've been flooded over the years with communications from people saying, literally, thank you for doing that because I had never seen a family like mine on the Disney Channel. And all of a sudden I felt like I was okay. And I think ever going into who was anybody's biological parent just undoes that work. People keep asking though.
2: Yeah. The latest, internet,
3: the, the latest internet
4: theory is that it's Guy Fieri.
2: Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to open a Chicken Strips restaurant underneath Planet Hollywood at Disney Springs.
4: But that's also, that's also reflected, again, as we discussed before, in how much we see Lawrence and Linda's love for each other. And like we said, this episode, we start to see them as more than just the parents. We see... We see them have a life outside of the kids, and them being a loving couple. I think my favorite moment of that from the run of the show was uh, much later on in the My Fair Goalie episode, where uh, Linda says to Lawrence, "Like Lawrence, what's wrong with you? I've seen you wear more shirts than that." <laughs> and it's, that it's just one of the
3: really competitive over stupid yeah. stuff.
4: <laughs> she just joins in, and 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 it's it's just one of those moments that shows like they they have like a real playful relationship which is something that the parents in kids shows never really seem to get yeah they don't get
3: to have fun and, and you 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 have to imagine that anybody who's got kids like phineas and ferb and candace it's got to be fun Yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> and and you know and that's what we always said is the truth is of the show if mom had ever seen what the boys were doing sure, she'd have been concerned if it was dangerous, but she'd have probably been just excited, as excited as everyone else. That that actuality (laughs) would have blown up in Candace's face. His mom would have gone, my God, that's amazing. You guys are phenomenal. We're going to get you some helmets, but wow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I love that they're just fun people and they, we've, we've gone out of our way to give them those moments. I love that weird thing. I think it was also Rob who did that where they're up in the room going, it's so <laughs> weird and wonderful and, cool and bonkers. And it, it, as soon as I saw it, it was like, oh, that's something my wife and I would do <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. One of the
1: things that like I really loved was that the parents are so like involved with the kids, like, there'll be so many times that uh, Lawrence will just sit down with Phineas and Ferb to watch a show with them, like a show that he enjoyed. Or yeah. he'll watch, you know, a show like Horse in a Bookcase with them and What's just get sucked list? into the craziness. <laughs> the fact and... that
3: they wouldn't let us make a spinoff called Horse in a Bookcase. <laughs> I know, I, know. Right? I love the the line we gave Lawrence. Sort of a horror show, horror horror movie is this. There's no musical numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh,
5: I loved so I that to about... let us
3: ask him, and I, I'm pretty sure there was only one other person in the room who actually knew who Richard O'Brien was. Really? Hmm. Well, that's wild. When it came down to casting Dad, we had like three choices, and we'd always wanted Richard. So they listened to the three finalists, and then they said, "Well, well, who do you guys want?" And we went, "Well, we, we want Richard. We always have. <laughs> you guys are the one who made us audition other people." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they went, and I can't remember, it might have been Eric Berglund, the other end said, and, and what has he done again? And I went, um, well, he hosted a game show in England called Crystal Maze. <laughs> uh, and I didn't get any farther than that before he went, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> another, one, another one of the executives, and I think it was Adam Bonnet, looked up, and as we walked out, he went, Crystal Maze. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of. Um, but, you know, and we have a lot of fun teasing Disney, but the truth is at the end of the day, if it was something that we were really passionate about, um, they would try to find a way to accommodate us. I think it was because we'd gotten to the point in, in our career and our maturity that we, we went at arguments in an intellectual way. It was passionate, but it, it was never just, you know, God, you guys trying to ruin our show, I hate you. <laughs> You won't let us do anything. It was always, you know, we got a chance to sit down and talk about it and say, look, this is the reason we're passionate about it. We weren't just whinging and whining and throwing our toys out of the pram. We, you know, we constructed an argument and they would hear us. And it caused them to do some things I know they were really uncomfortable with, but they did. And there was never any illusion that if it all went wrong, they would be able to go, it was yours. (laughs) <laughs> and we were like, that's okay. We don't mind living and dying on our own decisions. What we don't want to do is have our show live and die on your decisions. <laughs> you know, I'd much rather it it failed or succeeded based on, on our choices. And they were pretty good about it. It didn't mean we didn't have some big discussions. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of the time, they understood what we were doing and either let us do it or... Found a way to massage it so that we could.
6: Very
3: I'd do cool. another show with him.
5: I, I, I wish Milo Murphy could have gone on for longer, but.
3: You yeah, and me both, you... my friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just the timing of where it went and, you know, what was going on with the channels and, you know, Disney XD at the time all conspired against it.
6: Uh-huh.
3: And yeah. uh, we actually, you know, I know I personally still hold out hope. Uh, that as the show gains popularity on XD and they find that they need more content that we won't you know possibly be able to go back and revisit it uh, maybe not you know maybe series maybe not i don't know but maybe with a special cuz god there's a lot of love for that show out there and it seems to oh, yeah. continue to grow and
2: it seems such like a good
3: show it seems
6: like it's
2: been doing really well on Disney Plus recently so fingers crossed at the at the very least, hopefully we could get a crossover with Hamster and Gretel. I know, obviously, everyone's already like, "Oh, there's going to be a Phineas and Ferb crossover with Hamster and Gretel eventually." It's like, well, yeah, of course, but <laughs> no, pro- probably not for a little while. Like, I don't think we're, I don't I think what Dan said is they're not like going with that in mind as the end of season one, <laughs> like with Milo,
3: which I think is probably a good decision ultimately. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the character is. Uh... Are so charming in that, and I think so wonderfully independent. We'll see. You know, it, it's just, I'm the nice thing about this is I'm in the spectator seat with everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I've seen <laughs> stuff early just because I know Dan, but I'm getting to experience this with everybody else, and that's really fun. I know everybody who's working on it, and all the writing talent, and Dan, obviously. Uh, but it is kind of nice
1: being back in that position.
3: oh, I can't wait to see it.
1: you know if it's gonna have like the, the same art style as Phineas and Milo with kind of well, just- It's
3: similar because it's Dan. It, it When I looked at the designs, it felt like it was leaning a little bit uh, closer to what he used to do with uh, his comic strip uh, at USC, The Life is a Fish. But they all have a similar look and feel because uh, that's the way Dan draws. You know, that's my only difference. I saw in it was when I looked at it, it made me think of of his comic strip more.
1: Yeah. What are the chances that we could get a uh, a couple of releases of some of the songs Weird Al sung from my like the full extended versions that didn't make it into the episodes? This is just from a fan perspective.
3: They do something. The, the, one of the harder divisions of disney to deal with sadly is their music division um it's mm-hmm. been such a huge money maker for for them for so long they really manage it tightly it was i mean we used to have to call in. do any of you guys watch uh better things the pam adlon show on fx if you haven't I've seen of it. no i haven't seen it freaking amazing they get awards yeah. nominations every year it's phenomenal i got to do a guest spot on it live oh, cool. um nice But yeah, it was fun, but uh, she wanted to do an end of, I think it was the end of their second or third season where she was having all of her daughters and their friends in their room sing the theme song to Phineas and Ferb. And it's too expensive to license the song. So we had to go and literally spend almost, I think it ended up being almost two months making phone calls and begging people to lower the rate so that they could afford to do it because it was good for the show and good for everybody else. And eventually they did. And it's one of these wonderfully fun moments where it's all about her kids are growing up and she's got that moment when they're not kids anymore. But somebody, you know, they're all having these big sleepovers with all of her daughters and somebody starts singing the song. And then they all join in. And they do the whole. Song. Oh, I think
2: I think I saw this clip. I think I know what you're. Yeah, I know what you're oh, talking right.
3: about. And it's it's so emotional because it's that parent like reliving that moment when her kids are kids again, just for a moment. It was so sweet. So it was worth all the fight. Um, and it also for for me made me so proud again of being part of the show, because that's what that represented for so many folks. For a while, everybody's family seemed to have Phineas and Ferb as a touchstone. For those moments, the number of families I know who have said Phineas and Ferb lines to each other for years, is just the coolest thing. But it, you know, Disney music is tough. Mm -hmm. It was a long roundabout way of answering that it when they (laughs) do it, it's worth it. But you really got to. We had trouble using our own songs in video games because the cost of licensing them internally at Disney was so high. So an internal licensing. You got to license it internally. Yep, because it all has to be paid for. I know, we all had that the moment of like, it's us. We could just, you could just give it to us. We're family. And they're like, yeah, it definitely. <laughs> that way. It's gotta go in and out of the checkbook. And that's kind of one of those those weird policy things. It's, it's almost that um, if we do it for you, we'll have to do it for everybody. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> 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 this is internal, you just, have to then later have a spine when somebody says yeah but you gave it to them for nothing you have to be able to explain yes we're the same company <laughs> but that's them you know yeah. it's, 87 uh, levels it, of bureaucracy really <laughs> is eight, oh, so many levels of bureaucracy <laughs> so i hope they do more with the songs because m- almost everything we recorded we record uh, more than we need and so they're out there I mean, I, mean, I was, was I
2: was thrilled that we just got chop 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 on the Candace against the Universe soundtrack.
3: <laughs> chop <laughs> chop chop, so good! Oh, I love that song. Truly <laughs> really a blessing. Uh,
6: I mean,
5: I mean, just you. personally, like like uh, like I said earlier, I'm just an obsessive Weird Al fan, and one thing I've been doing for a few years now is just just strictly as a fan project, just for my own purposes, I've been. Uh, collecting weird al songs that he's performed anywhere that weren't on any of his yeah. albums and that of course includes a bunch of Milo Murphy songs and yeah. uh, and you know but you know all the copies I have are like recorded from the episode so there's like dialogue in the background and stuff <laughs> so I mean I mean just for the sake of my collection it would be amazing to get some of that some of the original recordings in the but I and know you with, don't uh, have a lot of control over that
3: I was developing a show with him based on his book his Billy oh when, when wrote, I grow up, we wrote or a song when? about sand, oh. and it's so much fun. And I hope <laughs> somebody gets to hear it one day because it's That'd so. That'd be good. amazing. We're doing it over at Henson. It's oh so good. man! Ooh. And it didn't get made. Yeah, and he did. Uh, he did uh, a guest spot for us on Pete the Cat. So there's.
5: Right, right. I I did hear that. I heard wow, art wow, can be people. anything. That's that's also <laughs> in my collection.
4: I think so he did another one. Yeah. He's he's a hoot.
5: He's amazing.
4: That's so um, great. So obviously, with an episode like we're getting the band back together, the story, like you said, dictates where the songs go. Um, one of my favorite DVD features of all time is the one on the uh, on your Christmas DVD where it shows you writing the uh uh keep on building song the The, the songwriting process just looks like yes. it was so much fun throughout the whole show. Yes, it was and uh
3: and there's nothing better than everybody grabbing guitars on friday night at the end of the day and knowing we had one or two songs to write and just dragging people in off the crew of varying <laughs> musical abilities and just getting in a room and doing it it was so good so good and we got to write with some amazing people i mean we even got to write a song with jeff berry uh, who is literally the soundtrack of your life. He wrote to do Ron Ron and go into the chapel and tell Laura I love her. And he produced the monkeys and he was the dad of one of our writers, John Barry. Um, on Milo, we got to uh, write a song with, um, uh, oh God, wrote Hound Dog.
5: Jerry you know, Lieber, M- Mike Stoller
3: or? Mike Stoller.
5: Mike Stoller, yeah.
3: Brain just, I'm old and I forget yeah. things. Mike Stoller came out and wrote a song with us on Milo and and Which song was that So like? Many Amazing People. It was the it was a song about winter.
1: Oh, No Day Like a Snow Day. It doesn't matter not, whether the weather is fine. If not, we're out in it together, to, then we'll have a good time. Probably.
3: I oh, it wasn't
5: it wasn't toboggan of love, was it? Because I know that was based on another <laughs> no. song. No,
3: Dan wrote that, uh rewrote that. From uh, <laughs> right, 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 our love boats. Yeah, I
5: saw, I saw his video where it's like it's Weird Al singing
3: our Weird Al parody of our own I song. That, you know? I love that. I the original. Uh, our boat of romance. <laughs> we got uh, Jack, um, who sang the love boat theme, mm. to come and sing that for us. Uh, he was oh, an old wow. friend of my grandfather's and sang with my grandfather for a while. Uh, and that was really crazy to get him out. <laughs> Love that. Like, what are you guys doing? It's like, <laughs> yes, just sing it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then he told me a bunch of off-color stories about my grandfather, which was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the song I don't think we've talked about yet, we haven't talked about um, Bobby Fabulous's song, mm. Um That one's all about the style and the hair and the glam.
3: I had originally wanted to sing that. Ah. And we had thought... You just wanted to play all the
5: characters in this. Well,
3: (laughs) once we found out we couldn't play our named characters, one of our ideas was we would play the other characters. (laughs) And it just got too complicated. But in the interim, I loved writing that song and also uh, singing it and i have a somebody has somewhere a version of me singing it uh and so i was looking forward to doing that so when we found out we were gonna cast carlos i did tell him i hate you (laughs) 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 my song you jerk um but uh yeah that was just a joyously fun ridiculously silly song (laughs) he nailed it uh i could not have done any better than he did I'd like to have thought that I could have, but when you listen to it, I could not have done any better than Carlos at all, ever.
1: (laughs) My favorite line is that don't be a lookalike copying another, unless of course you're copying me because that gives you you individuality. individuality. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Yeah.
3: Chris Hedrick was involved in a lot of the songwriting uh, of those songs. Uh, Snuck your way right into my heart. Um, He was one of our board artists who, uh, It was always nice when we had people that had other skills musically, like one of the reasons we like writing with Martin Olson is he played keyboard. And Chris Hedrick was a keyboard player. The rest of us were either, um, you know, guitar players or singers. Uh, No saxophone, didn't have any horn players. It's hard to write a song on saxophone. Um, But it, it always brought a different element when you got somebody writing on something other than guitar. It was the same with mike stoller came in and he writes on keyboard and it changes what you do we wrote songs with bobby lopez uh Aerial uh ariel rug and
1: it sounds so
3: good different just because one. his his basic um tools and mechanics for doing it are different and it changes what you do
2: it's kind of interesting to think that you know originally uh obviously with roller coaster there wasn't any you know musical numbers, and then you guys did Flop Stars, and Disney was like, "Oh, we want a song in every episode." You're like, "Yep, we'll do
6: that."
3: That was another one of those things that they told us was policy. It's like, first <laughs> of all, uh, producers and creators don't write songs. Like, yeah, but yeah, but we do. But we do. <laughs> <laughs> we have if you go back and look at Rocco, there's tons of them, and they're they're really good. And they said well now we'll get songwriters we don't you know some policy and we kind of badgered and whinged and wheedled and then we ignored them and <laughs> wrote the song for flop stars and uh as soon as they heard it i think that was also adam bonnet who says that was a great song who wrote that and we went uh we did we did we did <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic! Can you write a song for every episode? Yep, yep, we'll do at that. <laughs> least, absolutely, we can do that. And I think the person who told us that it was policy was sitting next to him at the time. <laughs> you could see him just go.
2: Mm. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that gag from uh, from Toy to the World, where the one guy disagrees and he just gets it, like like dropped through the trapdoor. It's like eh, we're just replaced with another
3: guy. It's like, yeah, I love it. What are we talking about? <laughs> i just watched a film the other night uh that was the 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 boss of that company was played by jk simmons oh of course another just really amazingly talented wonderful dude and i just watched uh palm springs
4: oh yes he's great not
3: expecting to like because i read it the description i thought well it's just a it's a it's a groundhog day clone
5: yeah
3: it's not it's really fun we just enjoyed the heck out of it. JK has got this really great little uh, extra part in it. It's so good. Uh, but he was uh, he was one of the first big stars we had come in and do a guest spot. It was in Toy to the World.
5: Yeah. yeah. You gotta. We you had way love... too
3: fun making this show. <laughs> this ruined you for making other shows. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Fur>. <laughs>
5: You gotta love jk simmons i mean i mean who else yeah. wins an oscar and then still does insurance commercials it's like
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> that
3: guy's he's he's just awesome. great he just likes to work yeah he <laughs> loves working and he's such a pro um he's actually one of the people who uh, my wife knits she's kind of an amazing knitter, like she does stuff that, we go to the knit shop and she's wearing stuff that the knit freaks come out and go, oh my god! <laughs> but she started making Oscar cozies for people that we knew who had Oscars. <laughs> so it's like oh. a sweater that goes over your Oscar that's got the initials <laughs> of the person. So like we made it for our neighbor, he Joel if who was cold. in Cabaret. Yeah,
0: Well, they all had
3: handprints on them. So she made one for him and then she made one for Bobby Lopez and Kristen Lopez. She's made one for J.K. Simmons. There's several of them out there. But J.K. Simmons was one of the ones who one of the people who got one. And I remember when he came in, said, here, this is for your Oscar. (laughs) What the hell is that? It's an Oscar cozy, man. Monogrammed. He's like, that is one of the most wonderfully weird things I have ever seen. Well, you're a very elite club.
6: So. I, um, pro-
5: one of the, one of my, my favorite J.K. Simmons story, I, I'm sorry, another tangent, but uh, I, I think Billy West told the story of how um, uh, his, was it Oz? Was that the show he was on? I, I think yeah. was. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. He was on. Uh, I've, I've heard I, this I, story. Yeah. I've never seen it before myself, but, um, <laughs> but Billy West was, uh, uh, Billy West's wife really wanted to get him to watch this show. Oh, it's amazing! There's this one actor on there who's just so intense. Like, I swear, he's actually been to prison. Like, like he just feels so much like one of those real guys. And he watches the show, and Billy West says, "That's the yellow Eminem. I work with him."
3: Yeah. <laughs> no. no, he's um, he's one of those people that you understand why he gets the accolades that he does oh yeah he's a joy to work with but he is super professional and really works and he works hard um and you know we're cartoon people we're basically (laughs) a bunch of idiots that get paid to be silly and there's times when you feel like sorry we're so unprofessional mr simmons just uh we're cartoonists And he was, you know, very much about the craft and stuff. And and he always brought more to it than we'd ever imagined. Like, what do you see in this character? It's it's the head of a toy company. We we didn't think much
4: beyond that.
1: Yeah. It was so fun to have him as Napoleon. Money.
4: <laughs> well, you may feel unprofessional, but I doubt he could deal with the red tape of figuring out who's allowed to lift Thor's hammer. So <laughs> 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 <clears throat> do we got to
3: talk to up there who's in charge (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: yeah yeah any other any other quick stories before we go i think we're almost about ready to wrap up
3: yeah yeah i should probably go eat at some point doing (laughs) zoom calls all day yeah you know it's 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 weird watching on social media now uh the show's that are really connecting with people and it's funny this is really one of them that comes to the top of everybody's lists and it's been my favorite for years when people ask me what my favorite episode there's really two and first one is the roller coaster because it's the one dan and i did together and literally on on, it ended up being on two different continents he came over and we wrote in my place in the uk i'd gone over and when i because i was living in the uk at the time we'd written over at his place in Glendale and then he storyboarded while he was on holiday in the South of France Then we got back together. And, but that was us making that board and making all those decisions. So that to me was golden. It was, you know, the reason we, we created the show is because we loved working together on Rocco. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, it's always going to be dude we're getting the band back together and it is because we took that moment to really show that whole sweeter side of all these relationships we got to see mom and dad we got to see candace and phineas and ferb working together and we got to see perry helping doof and it was all just very sweet and it didn't lose any of its edge because of it so i'm That's the one reason I love social media, because you can peek out there and see what weird stuff you did, what strange decisions you made, odd fights that you had that you thought you were going to get fired over, (laughs) end up years later connecting with people in a really meaningful way. And that makes it all worthwhile. You stop and you think, oh, that was a fight worth having. It was worth going out on a limb and pushing to make sure that happened. So whenever I see that somebody wants to talk about this show or it makes somebody's list or somebody mentions it on social media, I am blindingly happy about the whole thing because it was, it was just a joy to make. I love thinking about it every time and it just tickles me to no end that it connected with everybody else just as well. And now tomorrow I'm gonna have to put all the songs from that on my rotation playlist when I'm sitting here drawing. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been listening
2: to the the Love Handle songs that are on um, Apple Music, just in the car, and like, oh my gosh, all these are still so
3: good. We, that was the one thing that we kept threatening to do is to form up some folks and go tour as Love Handle. <laughs> <laughs> we really wanted to do it. Um, we did a, a show in Nashville. For a buddy of mine, uh, Rick Clark, who's a music producer out there, worked with Death Cab for Cutie and a bunch of people as studio bass players. He's got a beautiful studio down outside of Nashville. And he has a music festival called uh, Mule Town, the Mule Town Music Festival. And uh, he got us a venue. We got a band, Bethany Brinton, um, put together a whole you know stage band for us. And we did like, An hour and a half of Phineas and Ferb music standing up on stage telling stories and playing these songs. And it was the best.
1: Fantastic.
3: It was so cool. And that's when we started saying, God, I wonder if they'd let us tour his love handle. (laughs) So great. We could do. Yeah, that'd be great. But to have like a love handle set would be so great.
1: Yeah.
4: I mean Disney could have their own spinal tap if they just let you do that.
5: Yeah. Rocket no?
2: roller coaster starring Love Handle. Yeah.
5: The the guys in Aerosmith ain't getting any younger. That's all I'm saying.
3: Yeah. yeah. I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. keep your fingers crossed. Maybe if we keep uh, if we keep asking long enough, eventually they'll just <laughs> okay, fine, just do it. Yes. Yeah. Leave <laughs> us alone.
5: <laughs> Although I did. It is interesting that um, Bobby actually gives Swampy some guff for having gained weight. It's like, what are you complaining about? Now he actually has love handles. What? <laughs> <laughs> it actually fits now, but anyway.
3: <laughs> I love how many times we had to explain the umlauts over the A, the, the handle. Yeah. Why <laughs> are the umlauts? It's like, well, it's, he's handle, love handle. That's the joke. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, all right. That's okay. I still I still have to explain why my nickname is Swampy over and over again.
6: <laughs>
3: it's one of the main questions I get on, on like, I got a TikTok account, um, and people, how come your name is Swampy? It's like, last name Marsh?
2: Swampy Marsh. And I've had
3: people, I didn't realize this, I've had people who I've known for years, who one day somebody t- says something about that, and they'll go, oh, I just this moment got that. <laughs> I'm
5: not kidding. I just I'm I'm dumb.
3: <laughs> I have people I've known for years that all of a sudden will go Oh, I never put that out. Oh, that makes oh, got it. I never. You
5: guys even you guys step by step, and they're about step siblings. Like
3: yeah. you
2: guys <laughs> even had a joke in What a Croc, which was one of the episodes. Um, it was the episode paired with Ferb TV that I talked about with the members of uh, Channel KRT, um, where there's a joke um, towards the beginning where um, they're like, "Oh, we're looking for Craigie the crocodile out in the marsh," and Phineas is like, "They're wasting their time in that swampy marsh." <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> There have been more than a few things. And if you know Rocco, you've, you've seen Ferb show up long before he was ever Ferb. Used, there's yeah. a box of cereal at one point called Crunchy Ferbs. Oh, we okay. A story with a character named Ferb, the guy who works at the bowling alley's name. We had so many oh, Ferb because my friend is Ferb.
6: <laughs> ah, I yes. have a friend
3: one of my best friends in the world whose name is Ferb, and I always introduce him as the real Ferb. That's awesome. He's a yes. set builder. Used to build uh, sets for Star Trek. Um, That's awesome. is his name.
2: Editor Chandler here. At this point, Jonathan pulled up a sneak preview of the Milo Murphy's Law reanimated project he's been working on with a bunch of collaborators to show us, and it was really cool, but it was also out of sync when we were watching it on the Zoom. Plus, if you're just listening to this, it's not gonna be anything but the audio from the actual episode, so... I'm just going to tell you to go check that out when it comes out because it's going to be great. It I'm took us
1: incredible.
3: 13 years to sell Phineas and Ferb. Mm. From zero to a sale on Milo Murphy's Law, I took th- I think took about two months total. Wow. You wrote that Crazy. entire premise for the show and that opening episode in about two and a half hours one day in my office. <laughs> Dan came wow. in with a drawing of Milo. You know i held it up you know this guy And i'd gone into him a couple of weeks before that because he was putting a bunch of shows up and he had all these boards and i said that guy there it looks like he should have his own show
6: <laughs>
3: and he came in and he said you said this guy should have his own show i think so too what should it be
6: <laughs>
3: and we went from there that's incredible it. it just came out so fast and so easy and disney bought it in two months we're like that's the difference once you have a successful show,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: then it's easy. easy to get gets you a little one. respect in this town. Yeah, twelve yep. years and ten months off your sales time. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then the show goes on the air, and they don't know what to do with it. It's,
3: yeah, uh, yeah. get you know.
5: Futurama syndrome. We did you know, get
3: okay. a apology from Disney, which doesn't help. Oh, with good the episodes, but at least somebody <laughs> stood up and went, "Yeah, we 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 messed that up. <laughs> Sorry." Yeah. Yeah. What
2: are you
1: gonna <laughs> do? Oh well, he's Cavendish. What are you gonna do?
3: Thank right, you so back. much for coming Thank on the you. show, Swabby. This Thank was amazing. You. I it was this was,
1: this so, was much so much fun. fun.
3: I gotta go find out which part of my house is burnt now. <laughs> <laughs> Milo tried to make mac and cheese. I'm gonna say it's <laughs> probably my dinner, but I thought we were having Greek salad tonight, so <laughs> I had to, something has gone horribly wrong.
1: It's kitchen nightmares with the grilled the grilled lettuce. <laughs> All right,
5: You're not supposed to be on fire. <laughs> not my dog.
3: He's 15 years old, man. Oh no, I'm he's a sorry. The lovely dog, but <laughs> he's getting around very slowly these days. Mm-hmm. All right, kids.
5: That's a great way to end a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Swampy.
3: Keep him laughing. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh look forward to seeing it. And send me all the links so I can I can share it on my social medias
2: yes of course absolutely all right and for everyone else it is plug time plug your stuff let's go
1: all right i'm jonathan second dimension on youtube at pfmml news on twitter and milo murphy's law reanimated if it actually made it into this episode we'll be out in late march so get ready for that
5: Well, I, of course, have a podcast called Escape from Vault Disney. That's the podcast where we review movies, TV shows, and short films available on the Disney Plus streaming service, chosen completely at random. We've done two episodes of Milo Murphy's Law, tying into our very special guest on this podcast, of course. Uh, And um, uh, this Wednesday, uh, the episode that's going to come out is on the Disney Plus original movie, Clouds. So that'll be fun. My uh, my most recent full episode, uh, as of the date this drops, was on a Nat Geo special called Earth Live, which um, not a very fun special, but the I think the episode we did was pretty funny. And uh, and then all of March on Escape from vault Disney will be Muppet Month, five consecutive weeks where we cover Muppet stuff. Yay! And Yay! perfect and perfect timing because of course the Muppet Show just came out on Disney Plus. And you can find that podcast uh, on Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pipedreampodcast.com. You can find my web series, Some Jerk With a Camera, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tony Goldmark. And and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Goldmark.
4: And you can follow me on Twitter at Doggins, D-O-G-G-A-N-S. And you can watch my videos at youtube.com slash Doggins. Some of them are about Phineas and Ferb, again, tying it all together and uh all my other links are at doggins.com you can find me on twitter at starport 97 and at the
2: youtube channel starport 97 i'm actually planning on finally bringing back my flagship series theme park backlot which has been on hiatus since april for obvious reasons the next episode is going to be all about walt disney world resort infrastructure the resorts and disney springs Specifically, the changes that have happened since um, Dave made his videos about those things. So, expect that within the next several months. I'm not entirely sure when it's going to be out. I just started working on it, so it's still a ways off, but I do want to actually start making new content for my YouTube channel again, and I really do. I also tried something a little different and did a video, not shot on location, all about Six Flags of Magic Mountain, kind of talking about... My thoughts on the park and my critiques and what I would change. And that either is up already or will be up on my YouTube channel very soon. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review and give us five stars. That really helps us out in the algorithm. You can find us on Anchor and all the other usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Next week on the podcast, we're actually going to be doing something a little different because... March 4th just so happens to be my birthday. The episode's coming out on March 1st, that Monday. And I figured, what better way to celebrate than to cover the ride that actually shares a birthday with me? That's right. On next week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Because
0: we're animating. That's right, we're yeah. We're making Phineas and Ferd, Yeah, we're animating. I said we're anim- So that's how we do it. Are there any questions? If there are, keep them to yourself. I didn't think so.
3: And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that.
5: Something's a
4: sincerity alarm. Something's on fire.
5: fire. Like, uh, Rocco's modern life is on fire. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I should probably go find out what that is.
5: Damn it, John Kay!
3: See what it is. Uh, How weird.
5: He's just going around to random animation people's houses, burning their houses. He's he's unhinged, I'm telling you.
3: Oh, it stopped. Good.
5: It stopped. Okay.
3: If I I burst into flame or the room fills with smoke behind me, somebody let me know. Okay.
6: (laughs) The fire put itself.